episode 115 of the Bevan James Isle Show, The Scars of Yesterday. Rightio team, welcome along to episode 115 of the Bevan James of Show, the fortnightly podcast that creates a lifetime love of fitness so you can get all the benefits that come alongside it. It's the Bevan Show this week and I'm actually I'm actually doing this a little bit early, I've recorded this about five days before I've actually released it because I'm heading over to Amsterdam to do something that's pretty special in my career. Now, a lot of people who listen to the show will know that of my Les Mills world, and I imagine a few of you are actually a part of the Les Mills world. Uh, and if you've listened to the show for a while, you probably know that I, I work for a company called Les Mills, and we do group fitness. And I've been very fortunate to get to a pretty high level within my career with that, that business. And we're having an event in Amsterdam called Body Attack 100. And Body Attack 100 is basically every three months Les Mills release new material so it's new music new workout um you know it's this kind of big thing in their world and every three months that gets released well we're having the 100th release so it means the program's been going for 25 years and uh, i've been doing the filming since body tech 39 so i've been a part of it for a long time now and uh yeah i've been asked to go over and present as a part of it's a big team actually a part of the big team over in amsterdam and I've gotta say it's, it's it's kind of you know it's funny i'm coming to the end of my group fitness career at least at, at that level you know I'll probably still teach in Christchurch for a long time to come but you know at that higher level I'm definitely getting towards the, the latter part of my career and this Body Attack 100 is kind of one of those reflection moments and it's quite nice in life where sometimes you have a reflection moment it's kind of forced upon you I think I may have even talked about this recently in regards to me turning 40 how you kind of just naturally reflect when there's these certain markers and Body Attack, you know, it's really funny looking back on my years. Now, Les Mills and Body Attack as a part of my life is, is a lot less than what it was in the early part of my life. But when I went through my transition period from being this kind of dropkick person to being someone who had ambition and, and wanted to grow in life at least, Body Attack was the thing that changed me. Like, you know, seriously, this workout and the opportunity this workout gave me, and it's funny, I look back on my old goals book, I, I write goals, and I, and I used to have this book that I'd write in every three months, and, and I'd do like a 21-page report, <laughs> I was pretty anal about it, and um, and if you looked at my goals, everything was just how do I be the best body tech instructor in the world, like seriously, there was like there was nothing else in my life at that time, and uh, you know, it was it was a really big thing, my, my my old email address was bevattack at hotmail.com, you know, just everything about my identity in that moment of my life was all about how do I become the best at this thing that was a guiding light for me, and it, it was just a workout, but it meant so much to me, and I was so passionate about it, and and that's what I love about when people find something they're passionate about, because when it means that much to you, it's you're going to find a higher level of yourself. And for me in my life, Body Attack was that. Now, the program has been going for 25 years. I've been teaching it for far out, 18 years myself. So I've been around the program for a long time. And uh, so just this trip that I'm about to do next week, if you want to go on my Facebook, I'm going to be doing quite a bit of talking about it on Facebook if you are interested in it. But, um, you know, on my Facebook Live and stuff like that. But um, it's just one of those moments where I kind of look back and think, wow, 18 years ago, this this really was me. 
And as I kind of get into the latter part, and you know, this in some ways is kind of the last big moment of my career. Um, it, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool just to have this moment and kind of think, wow, you know, how important has this thing been in my life? So pretty cool stuff. This week's show, I've got, I've got a really interesting show for you this week, actually. I've had a couple experiences, or I had an experience with a client a couple of weeks ago, which really got me thinking about a subject which I find quite fascinating. So I'm going to dig pretty deep into that because I think it's a really interesting one and one that I imagine a few of you listening to this will probably get a lot of value from and maybe help to get some clarity around you know, I think good communication is often about creating understanding between humanity. You know, that good communication is that we gain a deeper understanding of how others think and, you know, and, and expressing how I think. And when you say, you know, and that can be through talking, it can be through reading, it can be through, you know, any form of communication. Um, but the thing about that is, is, is often when you absorb some content, um, they, they might say stuff you kind of deep down knew, but they put it in a way that helps you make a lot more sense of it and then be able to take action from it. So I've kind of, I've actually spent quite a bit of show, time on today's show. I've actually sat down and spent, you know, a couple of hours just kind of writing about what I wanted to kind of get across in today's show. So hopefully there's some epiphanies in there for you that you can get some value from. And, and as always, I'm trying to give some some methods or techniques on how to progress in this area. So we're going to dig into that really soon. But before we do, I just want to mention a few patrons of the show. And these include, we've got Brittany the Mystic McEachin, we've got Greg the Python Crowley, we've got Luke Mayhem Miller. Luke's actually got two nicknames because he's got Mayhem and he's got Agent 1001 because I know he loves James Bond. We've got Pip the Silent Assassin Langford and we've got Kate the Perfect One is Sutherland. Sutherland, sorry, not O'Sutherland, just Sutherland. The Perfect One is Kate. Team, if you want to become a patron of my show and support me in what I do, just go to bevanjamesisles.com and it's just a way where you can give a donation to every time that I release a show so you only donate if I've actually put a show out and you know you can choose what if you want to donate so you know it's just a way to support me and what I'm doing here with this show and uh, I really try to make content that makes you think and helps your life get better and so you know I had one piece of feedback from someone saying you know I spend you know so much on books a year and you know the, the value your show brings to my life is way much more than what I spend on books or at least on a book and so I kind of wanted to donate the equivalent of a couple books a year because of what the show gives to my life and I kind of thought that's a really nice way of thinking about it so um, yeah if you want to become a patron and you want to support me and what I'm doing and you get value from the show go to bevanjamesisles.com and it's all pretty simple just look on for the patreon link on the page or within the show notes and you're good to go from there Anyway guys, we're going to get into the main gist of today's show. Uh, I've talked it up a little bit, so hopefully it delivers. Here we go. I'm going to kind of tell a story to start with this uh, this kind of main part of today's show. And, and, and it's probably a story that needs you to do a bit of self-reflection as you do this. And I, and I kind of want you to think about driving. Driving a car. Now, I imagine some people probably live in cities where they don't actually drive at all. You might live in New York or London, but but most people have an experience of driving, and most people listening to this probably drive in some way, shape, or form in your life. And and, and I imagine some people may even be listening to this while they're driving their car. And if you are, give it a two and just wave at some random person. Uh, I, when I was a teenager, I used to love doing that, just kind of tooting and waving across the road from somebody walking down the street. So, yeah, just me being an idiot because that's how I roll. 
But just when you think about driving, it's a, it, once you learn your basic skill of driving, it's something you don't tend to spend a lot of time thinking about. Now, you might be thinking while you're driving. So you might be thinking about today's show while you're driving, or you might be thinking about things in your day. And there's, there's a little bit of effort in what I'm thinking about as I drive, but it's amazing how much of a subconscious activity driving is once you become competent at it. And I had a really interesting experience recently. So my daughter, is now, she's nearly 20. Oh no, she is 20. How bad is that? She, she is 20 now. She's nearly 21. So my daughter's 20, and a couple of years ago, she wanted to get a license. And so I became the parent who was going to take the responsibility to teach her how to learn to drive. And it was a really interesting moment for me. Now, it's a, I've got to admit, it's, in some ways, it's a little bit scary teaching your child how to drive because you're suddenly giving them permission to get behind the wheel of this this ton of metal which has speed and force and power and and you've got all these kind of aspects or, or things you need to navigate in the world to be able to drive a car safely and at first your child does not have basically any of the skills to be able to you know, to be able to drive a car, and and it was really funny. I remember because you're driving along, and and I took my daughter to some really quiet streets where you you kind of knew no traffic was going to be, and you kind of were doing the basics, but they've got no perception at all. So even the idea of how close to drive to a car that's parked on the side of the road, there's a few moments where I'm thinking we're literally going to hit a parked car because their spatial awareness and driving is just not that great there yet. And but at the same time, when you know. You're a bit nervous, but you also know they're probably really nervous about being behind the wheel. So the energy you're trying to give to them is, is a sense of calmness, but at the same time, you're kind of <laughs> gripping your pants as you're doing it. I have my hand on the handbrake, and, and the whole time I'm just thinking, get rid of the handbrake, get rid of the oh my god, she's going too close here. And so you, you, you know, you're trying to be calm in a time when you're actually, not panicked, but close to panic, if you know what I mean. And, and a really interesting thing, I got a really interesting internal experience as I was teaching my daughter to drive. So at first we took her to some little off-road, you know, really quiet part of town and, you know, and we're just teaching her the basics of starting the car and, you know, driving and, you know, backing out out of a car park or or turning into a corner, when to indicate, when to slow down into the corner, all those basic, real basic stuff. But when we first did it, it was a very safe environment. So while there was this kind of... You know, it was a little bit scary for me, the person who's trying to educate her. Deep down, there was no real problems. Unless another car turned up on the road, and that was always a little bit scary. So we did maybe three or four lessons in this little environment that I found. And then she'd kind of graduated to that next point where we were like, okay, well now, you know, we're going to go on roads where there's going to be other cars. And we started to go on these roads, and suddenly I realized how dangerous driving is. Like how how many things you have to navigate that potential risk is absolutely massive when you're driving. And because it's a skill that I'm so subconsciously on top of in my life, I'm never aware of those things. And it was actually funny this morning. This morning I was thinking about, you know, I've been thinking about doing the podcast today and I was driving home from the gym. I taught a class at the gym and I, and I had a session with a client and, and as I was driving home, I was thinking about this this that I'm talking about now. And, and as you're driving right now and listening to this, if you ask one of the people who are driving, just be aware of your surroundings, particularly if you're in you know, a busiest area, and as I was driving home this morning, as I was thinking about this, literally two kids shot across the road in front of me, another car instantly is pulled out in front of me, then another car turned without indicating, now, 
I was fine. There was no real risk. But that's because I'm a competent driver. But when I went to the place where I was driving with my daughter, who I knew didn't have the skills and the awareness and, and that kind of subconscious level of driving, suddenly all of the things that she was facing, all of those big decisions that she had to make, was quite overwhelming. Like it was quite overwhelming for me, thinking, far out, man, there are so many hazards on the streets. And if I wasn't in the car with my daughter, I wouldn't have seen none of them because my subconscious mind knew how to navigate through them. And and that's really, I suppose, what you're trying to teach your someone, or your daughter or your child or whoever you're trying to teach when they drive, is you're trying to teach them how to navigate through that in a safe way based around the rules that we as a society agree on on the roads. And also just those little things that come and go. So what, what we're doing when, when we're learning to drive, so if we put ourselves in my daughter's shoes and we think about what we're trying to teach her when we learn to drive, well, so ultimately we're trying to teach her the road rules, we're trying to teach her how to, to control a vehicle in a safe manner, we're trying to teach her to not take risks, we're trying to teach her to assess the situation that she's in and then to be able to make good decisions based on those things we've just talked about. And so in that period of time when my daughter was learning to drive, we're trying to give her experiences that give her the ability to get to that place where it's very subconscious around being a driver. And that's where, you know, 99% of the people listen to this who are drivers for a long time are with your driving right now. You know, you may see the hazards, but you're not even really thinking about them. Like this morning, if I wasn't thinking about this topic on the show today, I probably wouldn't have even thought about the kids running across in front of me in the car and just would have been how you drive. And for this reason, you can see why the first period of learning how to drive is really important. You know, and, and it's really interesting because after about doing six lessons with my daughter, I realized I was giving her enough. Like I probably could have got her there, but... I was actually much better off to invest in her getting proper lessons from somebody whose job it is to give kids lessons. And so after giving my daughter maybe five or six lessons, and she was, you know, driving on the road now in busy areas, still, you know, not competent, still levels to improve on, but it was, she was progressing. I actually thought, no, I want to spend some money and actually get her proper lessons with somebody who spent the time teaching people how to learn to drive. And it was a really the reason I came to this conclusion was if 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 we are going to set up a habit in our life where we are going to be quite subconscious about it, the first period of time is really important because the lessons that I teach my daughter aren't going to be as powerful as the, from as the lessons that somebody who does that all the time dealing with teenage kids who are new to the car can teach them because they have a deeper insight and a deeper understanding of a safer foundation to build for my daughter to be a better driver in her life. I'm going to repeat that again. They have a deeper understanding and ability to be able to give my daughter a safer foundation to be able to move on to be a great driver in her life. The lessons that my daughter would have got from me would have got her to be a driver, but by getting it from a professional, her foundation is better. And then the flow on effect of that is really quite massive when you think about her life, because you know she ended up having I think maybe four or five lessons with a you know a proper a proper driving instructor, and um and the lessons well it's a really good way to think about that is what's the two different versions of my daughter based on the different lessons that she got. So the first is, is the lessons where dad teaches how to drive and, you know, we all think we're good drivers, but I definitely got my faults and there's definitely things 
you know, it was interesting a few years ago, I had to get my motorcycle license and I had to relearn the road code and, and I realized there was a few rules I wasn't that sharp on, you know, and so there's the, if she'd gone down the path of just me teaching her, I don't think she would have been as good a driver in the long term, especially when she's in that subconscious state, as if she went down the path of the tutor. And so in that moment, by deciding to invest in a tutor, I gave my daughter a better foundation to get to a place where she'll be a subconscious driver in a much healthier and safer way for herself and her world moving forward. So so the first point I want us to take away from, this is going to go somewhere else in the show today, but the first point I want to take away from is that an experience of learning, and, and, and this, the crossover is going to be a little bit funny here, but the experience of learning will have a massive outcome on the the way you live your life in the future. And the example I just gave you, the spike in the road of me taking her or the tutor taking her, has a massively different outcome on my daughter's driving experiences in the long term. And the experience of me teaching her is probably good enough. The experience of the driver teaching, the driving instructor teaching her is obviously a much higher level, which means in theory she should be a much better driver throughout her life. And where this is particularly important to, and, and where I'm going with today's conversation, is that eventually her driving will get subconscious. So if we can have a higher level of learning in this first period when she's building her foundation, that when it gets to a subconscious level, she's going to be able to live her life in a healthier way, in a safer way on the streets, because she had that higher level learning. Okay, so that's my, that's my first point. Now, what I want to do with this is, is I had a session. I had a session with a client a couple of weeks ago, and it was um, a client who I've been working with for a long time, and a client I'm really proud of their progress. They've done life changing, life changing stuff, really, really powerful stuff, um, and you know, continually evolves in in some really special ways. And um, we, were, we were kind of talking about, you know, like for me, one thing I always try to work towards with my clients is particularly people who maybe have some insecurities or vulnerabilities that influence their life is, you know, imagine your life if those things didn't control you so much. Imagine, you know, if, if you are someone who's really driven by your negative thoughts or your insecurities or something like that, imagine if you had a life where that disappeared. And then what would you do with your life in a, in a really empowering way if you were able to do that? And um, and that's, you know, that's kind of what I really, you know, that's what I really wanted to, that's, that's to me as a coach, that's where I want to get people towards. So I was, I was working with this client and we're having this session and, and, and again, this person's made massive progress, it's really powerful stuff. And we're having a session and, we, and there was this moment where we had an epiphany. And the epiphany was, the way this person is living their life is based on the cost of the insecure decisions that were made from the person in the past. I'll say that again. The way this person was living, you know, the effects of the, of the life that they're in right now, not the effects, but the place they're in their life right now, has been determined by an insecure person or version of themselves from their past. And in many ways, the way they live their life right now is a struggle because of the influence that past person had. So my life today is a reflection of the decisions that came from yesterday. And the decisions that came from yesterday were influenced by a person who was unhappy or maybe insecure or vulnerable or negative. And 
the cost of that is today is affecting me. And if I take you back to my daughter of, of Tyler driving her car, the foundation I could have given her would have meant that tomorrow she may not have been a safer driver. And the foundation that somebody who was more you know, more effective at teaching someone to drive would have given her meant that tomorrow she's going to be a better driver. And you can see how the way that that experience she got earlier on in her learning of how to drive can have a massive influence in her future experience of driving. Well, if we kind of merge these two kind of ideas together and we look at what we're talking about with my client in that their foundation when they were younger was a foundation that was built around things that were not good for them. And because that was their foundation, they made decisions from that place. Now, can you imagine if you're in a negative place in your life and your perspective on the world is, is working against you, can you see how that's going to be different to a place where you're positive or where you're op- you know you, you see yourself as optimistic? You know, you can see how the perspective of how I experience the world will make me make different decisions in my life. So when I talk about the foundation, I know in my Tyler story I've talked about, you know, the education is the foundation, is my education versus the driver's instructor's education means she gets a better foundation, which means when it gets to the subconscious, she's going to be a better driver. But what when I get to this level here with you right now, it's not so much the education, it's the kind of the foundation of you. The foundation of you that allowed you to get to a subconscious level of making decisions in your life. And for some people, now not everyone listening to this will be in this place, but I'm, I'm sure some will be identifying with what, what, what I'm talking about right now. For some people, that foundation actually leads to bad decisions in your life. And, and bad decisions, and decisions that aren't healthy for you. And what's interesting is, is that you, 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 you know, let's say you are somebody who's listening to this right now and you know that your life, the life you live today has been written by somebody who was who was insecure or who has had their struggles and in some ways it's kind of like Tyler driving like like it would be the really interesting thing about Tyler's driving in the future is she probably is going to be a better driver because we invested in those lessons now she's not going to know that she's just going to be the driver that she is and she won't necessarily, I know driving, this is a little bit of a weird crossover, but she's just kind of a reflection of the education choice that I made at this stage. Now, if she never got those lessons and it was just me who was teaching her, that's all she would have known. And so when we look at what built the foundation, well, you can dig deep into what built the foundation around my thinking. And particularly if you are someone who's insecure, you could look against some therapy and those types of things to really figure out why did I lay that foundation in my life? But the thing I'm really interested in today is, is what's the cost of you being someone who's living on yesterday's bad decisions? What's the cost in your life right now? And, and it was really interesting when I spoke to my client you know, a couple of weeks ago when we talked about this. It was a really emotional moment for them because there was, it was a moment where they saw how maybe some of the struggles that they have in their day-to-day life now is the effect of the decisions that were made yesterday by an insecure version of themselves. Now, it's really interesting. If we go just back to perspective, you know, if, uh, there's, you know, we all get choices, I suppose, don't we? We all get these opportunities or choices to put in front of us. And when we're in a vulnerable, insecure place, it tends to be a different choice that we're going to make. 
than in a place where we're maybe optimistic um, and confident or happy with ourselves and those types of things. So the, the different pathways are going to have different effects. And it's a hard moment. It was really interesting with my client in this moment because when we, we identified this, it was quite an emotional moment because they kind of saw, oh, well, that person from yesterday who was insecure has, has in some ways made my life hard today. And and I find that really interesting as well because if if that's if that's the way, what does it what path does it continue on? Like if the version of you yesterday who maybe was a little bit insecure and vulnerable influenced the way you have to live today, and we can assume that they probably didn't make the best choices, then what's the cost on your life today? And does that keep you in a place that's actually gonna keep you making those types of decisions? Does that keep you in a place where those vulnerable decisions actually, you know, so you wake up tomorrow, you wake up a year from now, you wake up five years from now, and actually you today are the reason that you, you know, you're creating insecurities or a harder life for tomorrow. So with this in mind, I, I really started to think about, you know, like after that session with the client, it was, it's been a thought that's been on my head for the last few weeks, is this whole idea of, Oh, what's the cost of yesterday's decisions? And, and, and you know, I've definitely talked about this in an insecure as a, as a whole person, but maybe even if you break this down to different areas of your life, you know, like maybe there's some different areas, you know, you might have some areas of your life you're really happy with your decisions, but some where you're not so happy. And, and you might be vulnerable in this area and you haven't made decisions that are, um, you know, you have made decisions from insecurity. And just certain areas. So it might not just be the whole, it might just be certain areas. But as I started to think about this, I really wanted to kind of think about, well, what's a way forward? Like, in particular with my client, but you know, we'll talk about this here, is that we've got to change it. We've got to change the path. Because if the decisions I made yesterday coming from an insecure or vulnerable version of myself have led to me living in the scars of that today and having to deal with the costs of that today that actually maybe keep me in the same place, which means tomorrow is going to be much of the same or even worse. I've got to address it. I've, I've got to do, I've got to work on this or, or you've got to work on this. You know, if, if this is the case for you, you've got to work on this. And so over the last few weeks, I've been thinking about working with my client and thinking about how we approach this. And, and I thought I'd share with you guys just some some maybe some techniques or a way to kind of work about it. So, so first of all, as you're listening to this today, maybe you want to think about, am I talking to you? You know, am I talking to you as I address this? Is this an area where you deep down know that, you know, and, and it might be a hole or it might just be an area of your life. You know, like for me as a musician, I have this a little bit and it's an area I'm working on. So, you know, there's definitely areas in all of our lives where we could probably identify this. So the first thing that, that, that we want to do is to figure out who the old person is. So when you reflect back and you can identify that maybe the past version of myself has had a massive influence on my life today in a, in a negative way, who was that person? And this is a really important part of the stage because if we can identify that, and as we go into the next tools I'm going to introduce today, if we can identify that, what we want to realize is we can start to see where that was coming from and what influenced it. And so when I say, well, you need to identify that person, it's not just you know me when I was 20. It was, okay, when I was 20, I was somebody who was so afraid of failure, I always look for a safe option. 
Um, it could be when I was 20. It doesn't have to be when you were 20. It was just at this certain time in my life, somebody hurt me a lot. So I learned that safety is the importance to life. So what you're trying to think about is the version of yourself and what was, and you know, like a, what makes decisions? You know, what's the foundation behind decisions? This is a really interesting thing to think about in your life. You know, where do I make decisions from? And it's, you know, like, so if, so if you get an opportunity, where do you make that decision from? And that's what you want to think about when you reflect back on the past version of yourself that, that may have created a life where you have scars on today. So where did that person make decisions from? And it's really important you spend a bit of time really contemplating that question. Where did I make those decisions from? What you know? What was the real driver behind those decisions? And now, as much as they may have been negative and they may have come from an insecure place, the intent was probably positive. You know, I, don't, I don't know if you guys know much about NLP, but NLP talks about how most decisions have a positive intent, even though they may not seem right. Um, and so, you know, like the idea of you know that you didn't put yourself forward for a, a job that you really wanted that might seem like a negative thing and so now you're in a career that you actually hate but it might have been because you were trying to protect yourself from failure because you were afraid of failure so the deeper you can understand okay well in the past i made decisions that were about safety because of my fear of failure then we can really start to understand where you need to shift towards so the first part of this process is really, and I would say grab a piece of paper and, and think about some of the big decisions you've made, you know, actually reflect upon big life decisions. You know, why did I make that decision, particularly ones that you feel you should, you could have made better choices on, why did I make that decision and what was the driver behind me making that decision? So again, I didn't go for a career because I was, a, I was concerned about failure. So the driver was to keep safe. And not take a risk because I didn't want the, the pain of failure was more scary than the risk of trying. Okay, so that's a good example. So identify the old self, identify sometimes you made some decisions, and then once you've actually thought about that, identify why you made the decision. And that's the part you want to dig really deep into. The deeper you can dig into that, the better. And, and then probably, you know, think about the actions. So where did that lead you? So making that decision of not going for the career really fundamentally meant that now I'm in a career I hate. Okay, so what's been the flow-on effect of that choice? What are the actions? And, and maybe if we go back to that whole what's the cost in your day-to-day because of that? You know, and the better clarity you can get around this, the more motivated and understanding you can have to have around change. Now, this first step's really important. And it's really important because what we are looking for is we want to stop that version of yourself having influence moving forward. Okay, we really want to stop that that version of yourself. You know, if we are saying we want to wake up tomorrow, and it's more of a metaphor, but you know, and sometime in this very short future, where you don't have scars of yesterday, where you're actually just going to embrace today and, and create a better tomorrow, then we've got to know what's driving yesterday. And so that, that first step is so, so important. So don't just listen to this, actually do it. Then then what we want to think about, so we've identified a time, we've identified choices, we've identified where it comes from, we've identified what that's led to and how that cost me today. 
So then when I was thinking about my client, I was thinking, and I thought about this a long time before I caught up with my client again, and I just kind of thought, well, how do we move them forward? And, and I actually thought about that book that I, I did the interview, I think I put the interview on the show with um, Simon Marshall and Leslie Patterson, and there was the book was The Brave Athlete, and, and I actually ended up doing a podcast on that topic, that whole idea of faking it till you make it. Faking it till you make it. And I thought to myself, maybe this is a strategy we can try with my client. And so the next step in the process, and, and it's the next step in the process is you need to determine what who needs to be making decisions in the future. So now you actually need to sit down and think about where's a better place to make decisions from. And I remember there was a, there's a story. One thing I one thing I find a little bit frustrating about a lot of books is they tend to use the same people. And what I mean by that is that like if you read any creative book right now, Steve Jobs' name is going to come up. If you read a great leader's book, you're going to hear about Henry Ford. You know, like all of these, really, it's, it's like in the whole world ever, there's only ever been like 50 people who are worth mentioning if you re- end up reading a lot of books. It's not true, but, you know, there's a lot more life experiences to share. But one one thing I loved about, and I don't know if it's actually true, but Henry Ford apparently used to have a visualization technique, which was his his him talking to his panel of wisdom. And his panel of wisdom was this whole idea of the people who he had the most respect for and how they looked upon the world. And what he would do is basically if he had a problem he needed to solve, he'd visualize having a a presentation to the panel of wisdom and they would come at him with all these different perspectives. And, you know, and then he'd make better choices because of this. And this is what I want to think about is the next step, is that, We've got to kind of create a better way to to make decisions, and in some ways, the way you've done in the past hasn't worked. So there needs to be a better way. But you 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 are you know you're stuck in what you've done, or you could be stuck in what you've done in the past. So the next strategy is to go well. Who would be my panel of wisdom? But but I wouldn't even say even that is who are the people who I'm going to fake it till I make it to be that person. And a good example of my life is, is I'm a small business owner. I've got a small business here in New Zealand, my running business. I talk about it a lot on the show. And and we've got a good business. Um, we're doing Actually, we're doing really well. But at the same time, I know I have weaknesses as a business owner. And um, as, you know, I'm a human. Uh, and, and I've got weaknesses. And sometimes I just can't see them. And there's a program on TV called The Profit. And the profit is this program. It's a reality show. I've only, I only, I've only seen. Well, I'm trying to get in the habit of watching a little bit more, actually. And the profit is a show. I can't remember who the host of it is, but it's basically this show where it's a business guy who's a bit of a business guru, and small business owners go to this business guy and they offer for him to buy into their business. And obviously, with the idea of with his knowledge, he can turn their business around. Now, sometimes these businesses are partly successful, um, or 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 they are struggling, and he looks at their business. And he thinks about what he would do to make their business more successful. And then what he does is he offers to buy into their business and, you know, it's reality TV, so he pretty much turns them all around. But the thing I love about watching his show is how he looks at business. And every time, and it's a reality show, so I'm not getting a huge amount of depth, but every time I watch it, I learn something more about, oh, okay, so this is how he looks at a business. And so in my part of being a business owner right now, one thing I often go to is, okay, I pretend the the presenter of the profit, I should probably learn his name, shouldn't I? But I pretend he's sitting beside me as I look at my business. 
and I and I kind of and you know and he's quite harsh on the show. He's quite harsh, you know, when people aren't doing the things that need they need to do to make business successful. He kind of doesn't let them off the hook. He's like, well, no, you need to do this. And so I use him as one of my wise counsel. And by putting him as my wise counsel, and I actually put my thinking or my choices into his mindset. I'm actually making better business decisions because of that. And that's what I promoted to my, you know, to with my client that I'm working with right now, is that the next step in the process is for them to determine where they need to make decisions from moving forward. And a way that we're approaching it is to kind of go, what place do I want to make those decisions from? So earlier I talked a little bit about how in the past, Excuse me. How in the past, you know, you may have made a decision around safety because you were afraid of failure. Okay, so you made that decision from there. So if that's an area you want to attack, what's a better place to make that decision from in the future? So you could say, when opportunity presents itself, in the past, I made decisions around safety. In the future, I'm going to make decisions around ambition and risk. Risk, not risk as in like, you know, stupid risk, but as in scary risk in a way that makes me grow. Now you may even, and this is what was really interesting with my client when I had the session with them, this, this bit here really worked for me, it's like, you could almost find your wise counsel in the different areas. So you might say, you know somebody who, who just has ambition and they're willing to put their hand up in life and move towards things which you wouldn't because safety is your main driver. And so when you think about your wise counsel, what you're thinking is you could you could identify people in your life and you could go, okay, when I traditionally look for safety, I'm going to look to my friend Bob, who's ambitious, who's willing to kind of put their hand up in life and go for the thing that they want in life. So the next step in the process is to almost develop your own wise counsel. And that could be based on some of the work you've done already leading into this. So done in the work around this whole idea of who would be, you know, where do I make decisions from in the past? Where do I need to grow? You know, by doing that work, you get better understanding around what you need to work on moving forward. And then you want to determine, okay, well, what would be my wise counsel? You know, again, for me with business, it's to use this guy from the prophet. I always just think the prophet, what would the prophet think? You know, and it's amazing. I love the thing I love about this is when you use that, your mind comes up with answers you wouldn't have had. Like it's really amazing if you just because what you do is you kind of say, well, they look at their world with this perspective, and it's, I don't really have that perspective right now. And then when I look at it this way, I see things I couldn't have seen under my own perspective, and that's what you're giving yourself the opportunity to do when you create your wise counsel. So the next part of the process is for you to identify, so the first part is to identify where you need to shift, but then where would you want to go in your future decisions in that area? So the one I used before was that safety or ambition. So you want to go from being, you know, being safe because you fear of being afraid of failure, you want to move towards a place of I want to be ambition because ambitious because I want to have a life of opportunity. And then what you might do is think about the person in your life who, who really represents that to you. And that could be someone like me who's a reality star, or it might be somebody who you know who's actually really great in that area. You could, you could even say it's a version of yourself from the past. Like There might have been a time in your life where you were really good at this. And you might say, actually, the 15-year-old me. Now, what you want to do then is, is kind of, you might come up with five or six areas that you need to determine in your life to create your wise counsel. 
And once you've done that, so so you've got a really good understanding of how you want to be making decisions moving forward based on the wise counsel you've created. So, you know, it could be five, six people, it could be whatever, whatever works for you. The next step in the process is to, to learn what I, I, I'm going to call decision points. To learn your decision points. So awareness around when you've got to make decisions in your life. Now, going back to my daughter's analogy of driving the car, as I was driving the car home from the gym this morning, I'm not thinking about it. So that, that you know, it's subconscious. You're driving the car subconsciously and the old version of yourself right now doesn't think about decision points. It doesn't think about, you know, I've got to make sure I turn the indicator on three seconds before I get to the lights. I've got to put the brake on now. I've got to look both ways. I've got to stop here. I've got to slow down because I see those children in front of me. It just all happens. And that's why a decision point is learning about your decision points is really important. And your decision points are when you get a choice to go either way. So you can go to your traditional thinking, which is actually quite subconscious right now. Or you can learn to inject your wise counsel into your decision-making process when that happens. So that's why this next point is really important. You need to learn when there are decision points in your life. Because if you cannot learn those, you're just going to subconsciously drive along with not really knowing what's happening. Whereas if you can learn, okay, oh, I've got a decision point here. Now I can go to my old traditional thoughts or I can kind of consult my wise counsel. So as a business owner, you know, again, for my small business, I can go, oh, yeah, here's what I traditionally do, and it's going to get me the same results as yesterday. Or I can go, okay, well, what does the profit think here? Now, by going to my wise counsel, I'm going to have a different alternative around the choices I can make. And and this is probably the, the next step that's really important, is consciously injecting the decision that the wise counsel gives you. Now, it may not be, it may not be easy at first, and this is why this whole idea of faking it till you make it is really important. It's probably not going to be easy at first. But if you can trust in that process and you continually kind of consult with your life counsel, learn what options they give you around decision making and then consciously inject those decisions into your choices in today, then obviously it's going to have a massive effect on the experience you have in life tomorrow, today and in your future. And that's what this is all about. This whole idea of you can create a tomorrow where you wake up and you go, you know what, that version of me yesterday did a great job because I'm loving the life I lead today. Not, I'm paying the price and having to deal with the decisions of yesterday that I don't actually like in my life right now. And that's ultimately what this is all about. I'm going to do a quick recap. So so going right back to start, what we're saying is that in some areas of your life, or maybe in your whole life, the version of yourself yesterday may have been based on insecure decisions. But the downfall is it costs your life today. If we know that's the case, we've got to make a shift. And to make a shift, we need to identify who that was in the past. So it's really important you do that. And why they made the decision and where it came from. And then what was the effect on my life leading up to today and even today? Then from there, we've got to understand what is a different way of thinking 
that will, will lead me into better decisions for today and tomorrow. And that's where we want to spend time developing a wise counsel that are kind of counter to the negative. So again, you know, like again, I was safe, I'm ambitious. So it's counter to, you know, it's, it's making, it's leading you towards a different perspective and create a wise counsel of people who you can go to to help you make better decisions. Then learn your decision points. You know, the decision point is when you have to make decisions in your life and go to what would my wise counsel do right now? And then from there, as they provide you with options and choices, you, and this is not necessarily always going to be easy, but to make action. Take action based on the wise counsel, not the version of yourself from yesterday. Now, do you believe that if you were to do this, that you'd be a better, in a better place in your life? Yeah, it's kind of obvious, isn't it? But, the, but, but this stuff only works if you do the work. It really does. I'm reading a really good book called The Tools right now. I'm really enjoying it. It's, it's, um, I'm really, really enjoying it. And it's just, they, they kind of provide tools around certain near aspects of life, which they're psychologists and they, they've got these tools they really recommend. And they're kind of eerie theory, but I'm, I'm practicing some. I think they're quite effective. But um, towards the end of the book, and they say one of the frustrating things is they get clients who come along and these clients have massive breakthroughs using the tools that they've introduced to this point in the book. So I think I'm up to, I've had four tools in the book. I think there's five or six in the whole book. And they say it's really frustrating because people come along, they learn these tools, they practice them, they have a massive effect on their life, and then they stop using the tools. And and they're almost like banging themselves over the head like, why? Why don't people understand that if these tools work, why would you stop using them? And that's the thing with me is that your job, if, if this really resonates with you today and deep down you think to yourself, if I were to apply this stuff, it's going to have a big impact on my life. Well, first of all, do the work. You know, do the work. Make sure you put the time aside. Don't just turn off this podcast and think, oh, you're not going to get around to that. Like, put it in your diary. Do the work so you can create that wise counsel that helps you make better decisions. But then use it often. You know, don't just use it for a couple of days. Use, go back to a lot. Like the profit thing, like I've been doing this since I read that Brave Athlete book. And I'm using a lot of my business. And I tell you what, my business is progressing because of my mindset shifting deeper and deeper into this kind of mind. And ultimately, if you can continue to do it long term, you probably won't even need to go to a wise counsel to make decision because you're no longer faking it till you make it. You've just made it. The foundation of our thinking has a massive influence on the way we live our lives. The way my daughter learned to drive by me or by a tutor had a massive influence to when she gets to the point where it's subconscious in her life. Now, this foundation can be a really a restrictive thing in our lives. And if you know that as I'm talking today, I'm talking to you, well then, this is an area you need to work on. By following the steps I've talked about today, that you know the the awareness, the um, seeing where it comes from, the decision points, the wise counsel, and so on and so on, do you believe you could move forward? And if you are sitting there thinking, "Yeah, my today is scarred from my yesterday because of the choices of the person who maybe wasn't in a great place," can you imagine what your life's going to be like if you allow the person who's based on wise counsel decisions, makes leads you forward moving forward. You won't be faking it till you make it. You would have made it. You'll be living a life that's really fulfilling in really powerful ways for you. And as I always wrap this up, that would make you the best version of yourself.
Okay, team, hopefully you got something out of that part of the show today. It's, uh, I put a lot of thought into that one. Hopefully, hopefully, yeah, uh, I hope you got a lot out of it. And, and as I said, do the work, man. Like, do the work. Um, one thing I'm trying to add into my day is, is practicing a tool. And it's one thing I've been doing a little bit with my clients recently is just give me a tweak this week. What's a tweak in your life? You know, and, and if you do this work, change can happen. I remember I had a client once and I just said, look, you can change. And, uh, even just knowing that change can happen was really quite powerful for this person. So uh, you can check, check, check it out. Um, if, I, I do want to talk about something else, actually, just quickly. I One thing I've been really thinking about, you know, I've, I've been talking a little bit about how my Les Mills career is coming closer to the end of it. And and also, you know, I'm a little bit older and, and you know, you kind of start to think about your career. And, and one thing I've really started to kind of shift my focus towards in the latter part of my in my career is this idea of being a community leader and that in my local area to be someone who's really has um you know uses my influence in a really powerful way for my local community and i and i have ambitions to make that a really big thing you know I'm, i don't lack ambition uh and but i just had something you know it's, it's funny how life reaffirms what you should be doing and i i just want to share something i'm actually quite proud of this um because it, it just reinforces to me what exercise should be about. Um, you know, if you've listened to this show, you know that I, I'm not, I'm never really going to sell the six pack abs. I'm really in the development of the person through exercise, and and we, we we do promotions for our business. We use a lot of Facebook advertising, and every kind of kind of every two months, we do a new campaign to get a new group of people for our beginner running group, and. You know, we hadn't had, we hadn't asked for testimonials in a while. So on our Facebook page yesterday, I just went up and I just said, "Oh, look, we're going to be starting our next Get Up to Five group, and we'd just love it if you could share um, if you've done Get Up to Five or are currently doing it, quick testimonials or some words of encouragement for those thinking about doing it." And and, and I kind of just put that out there. Now we've got five thousand people who like our running group, and they're all pretty much all on Christchurch, so it's a pretty good big group of people. And when you put that out there, you know, you're putting yourself up with some negative feedback and something, but but no, it's been. Um, it's actually been all really positive stuff, which is really cool. But there's one message here, which just so much reinforced. It was just like the best praise. All of them are great, to be honest. I can't, you know, it's really hard to kind of put one out there. But, you know, I really believe that when people exercise in their life, it's um, it makes their life better. And we got, a, we got a testimony from a lady called Julia. And I actually remember when Julia came to our first introduction seminar, it was a big thing for her. And I think she was in a pretty tough place in her life at that moment. And um, it was a big thing for her to turn up to the seminar. And you've got to remember, most people joining our running group, it's a big, scary thing. And I just want to share this testimony with you because it really reinforces to me what can be done with exercise and and if you're a fitness professional i really think this is something that you should be aiming for in your career it's i so we asked for a testimonial and and julia wrote i loved get up i love get up to five so much that i've done it four times in a row x tomorrow runners are by far the most professional organization i have ever been involved with in terms of their understanding of the unique psychology and physiology of being a beginner exerciser the coaches are incredibly kind and supportive and are literally beside you every step of the way. As others have said, the other runners, both the beginners and the get up to five and the more experienced runners in other groups, all are fantastic at supporting and encouraging each other. I have never been cheered so much in my life for simply turning up. I'm in my 40 and with just six months of running under my belt, I am now fitter and stronger than I have ever been in my life. 
I've gained new friends, lost 12 kgs and learnt new skills that will last a lifetime. I was nervous on day one, but that literally lasted 30 seconds as the coaches and fellow runners looked after me and other newbies so well. Best exercise experience I've ever had to hands down. All you need to do is to be able to walk. If you can do that, you're ready for get up to five. And like, look how much there's in there. You know, this is what exercise can do for somebody's life. You know, there's the physical, lost weight. She can now run, you know, she's, I think she ran like eight, nine Ks now. You know, so they, they're running, you know, there's that stuff. There's the simple, the sense of being supportive. There's a sense of confidence that comes in, isn't it? You know, there's a sense of understanding that we're here to help each other. Like, I love that about my business. I love that the other runners understand when you're in our world, your job is to help other people, you know, and it's just to give them a clap, it's to give them a high five, it's to cheer them along, it's all of these types of things make a massive difference in their life, and I'm going to point this a little bit more at a fitness professional right now, but if you're a fitness professional, you know, aim for that, aim to be a community leader in your world, someone who really can have an impact on, on your, your local community, you know, there's a business in that. There really is. If you can, if you can create something like that that we've created for Julia and many of our runners, it's it was, it, like I read that last night. And I couldn't go to sleep at night because I was like, man, I want to do more of that with my life. I want to create more of that. That's that's the purpose of this life I lead. And, and you know, and because I'm such a kind of business minded person, I think, well, what products can I do to get more of this happening out there? And you know, and I've got my my five k dream. You know, I'm not trying to do a sales pitch here, but you know, even with that, we've tried. To, it's these lessons that we want to get across to people. So I just wanted to share that with you guys because I'm a I'm really proud of it. Like I really am. My, my wife Joe and I and, and our team really care about our people, and um, to hear that kind of feedback is really powerful. But also it reinforces what exercise can be in your life. It reinforces that exercise can be this really positive thing in so many ways that ultimately makes you just get so much more out of your life. So if, if you are a fitness professional, aim for that. And if you're not a fitness professional, you're looking for exercise, look for that. Because like, oh, I'm really proud of what I'm doing, but I'm not the only one out there. There's, there's many great fitness professionals in New Zealand, anywhere around the world, who understand this stuff. And to me, you know, think about who you're going to allow you to influence you on your journey. And, you know, earlier on the show I talked about where did this, where does your decisions come from or where do their decisions come from? You know, I know as a fitness professional, mine come from how do I help people achieve these types of things? And you want to find that kind of fitness professional because I guarantee that if you do, you're going to be in a much better place in your fitness experience. Anyway, uh... Get, get a bit of patient on there, aren't I? <laughs> uh, if you want to support the show, if you love what I'm doing and you want to encourage getting my message out there to the world, you can be a patron of the show. You go to bevanjamesisles.com, contribute a little bit to every show that I put out there. Send me some feedback. You can email me at bevanjames at gmail.com. If you're on any podcast like iTunes or Stitcher or any other podcast outlets out there, put some feedback on there. It does really help. And spread the word. If you've got a friend that you think might get some value out of the show, send them the link. Um, you can go from there. That's me for this week. I'm going to be doing Body Attack 100. I'll, I'll, I'm really going to try to see if I can get my friend Lisa. I've talked about getting her on the show many times, and I never have. And I'm actually going to be spending about a week and a half with her. So I'm going to take my microphone over and maybe get an interview with Lisa. Anyway, I'll see you guys in a couple of weeks' time. And uh, thanks for supporting what I do.